Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. Good morning again. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. Uh, I'm going to... I may, I may not, we just worked on getting the slide up, and then I may not even use my notes this morning because I want to read something to you. Um, I think all of us need to hear, you know, the great turning point in, in the book of Romans, and I, I often refer to this, so I want to read the turning point to you and so that we understand what a dramatic thing that God has done and not lose sight of us. And then I want to read Romans uh, 8 to us from uh, Eugene Peterson's message. I don't know if you read Eugene Peterson's other stuff. This is probably what he's most known for. Um, He wrote a wonderful book called, to everybody who's in vocational ministry called The Pastor, that only, I think only people in ministry probably read it. But it's one of the more encouraging things about those who are in ministry. And he has such a sweet, had such a sweet way about him and such a brilliant writer and and I really I don't always sometimes the message doesn't hit the spot but most of the time it does so I just appreciate the way he writes but I want to again reflect this morning because I think the Holy Spirit wants to speak to our hearts right for each of us in an individual way together that makes any sense so Romans 3, there are two key words that happen in Romans 3. So forget the notes up there. You don't have to look at them. So I should probably should have just blocked them out. And those two words are but now. And they are such transition words uh, for followers of Jesus in, in Paul's explanation uh, and how he even got people to stay interested in what he was talking about. Because you have to remember, most people, it was just like, he's just a crazy Jew. You know, they didn't really want to listen to him. And he, you know, there's uh, historical points of which he would not only, he always first went to the, to the, you know, local synagogue, but then he would go out into the street and the street corners and of course, in Athens is the famous one because he went to where the Parthenon's all at and all that. And he would just start preaching about Jesus, you know. And so these words are really important in that he was making a declaration that he wanted us, still today, there's still a deep declaration. Uh, so if you can look at the words of but now in the shape of a cross. <laughs> but now. And the cross intersected time, and you know, I can get real science fictiony here, and I'm not new age, but you know, it, it intersected time and space and dimension. It intersected everything because God's eternal and He's not caught in time. But the but but now is a time word that intersects us now, forever, before during and after and it's it's such a dramatic thing and it's this and this is what he said but now in verse 21 of chapter 3 but now the righteousness of God 
apart from the law is revealed. That's what the cross did. That's why I said if you can see those two words as a cross, that it revealed everything that Jesus could do that we couldn't do. That we can't, when it says the law, what it means is you can't figure out humanly how to be okay with God. So God did it. It says, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe there is no difference. To everybody who believes. So he goes on in Romans and unpacks, and then that's where I, I want to read from the, a little bit from the end of Romans 7 and then read Romans 8 to you this morning. Uh, mostly because it, as uh, I get up fairly early and then a little while after I get up, I won't say how long, then Brenda usually comes, joins me. And uh, after she's had a cup of coffee and gets her vocal cords juiced up, and starts talking, and she was talking to me about Romans 8 and memorized, that she had memorized part of Romans 8, verse 37, I think, is, or 39. And it just impacted me this morning to hear it from a, a fellow believer. And then I came in here, and so I want that whole thing, but I want you to get all of Romans 8. And I want you to get it the way Eugene Peterson wrote it. So he says this at some of the end of Romans 7. He says... He's talking, talking about how come I do what I don't want to do and don't do what I know I do want to do. So he says, I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does, but now, can and does. With the arrival of Jesus the Messiah, that fateful dilemma is resolved. Those who enter into Christ being here for us no longer have to live under a continuous, low-lying black cloud. Now shut your eyes because I want to reread that. Because there is an unusual low-lying black cloud that is in the atmosphere. And we don't have to live under it. With the arrival of Jesus, now receive it for your own life, the Messiah, that faithful dilemma is resolved. Those who enter into Christ being here for us no longer have to live under a continuous low-lying black cloud. A new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. God went for the jugular when he sent his own son. He didn't deal with the problem as something remote and unimportant. In his son Jesus, he personally took on the human condition, entered the disordered mess of struggling humanity in order to set it right once and for all. The law code, weakened as it always was by fractured human nature, could never have done that. 
The law always ended up being used as a band-aid on sin instead of a deep healing of it. And now what the law code asked for, but we couldn't deliver, is accomplished as we, instead of redoubling our own efforts, simply embrace what the Spirit is doing in us. I want you to breathe deep this morning and receive what the Spirit wants to do for you. So shut your eyes. This isn't new age. I want you to receive this morning deeply what the Spirit wants to do for you. Each of you individually. He wants to breathe his breath of life into every situation you're in and facing with your loved ones, with your friends, the dilemmas that are a black cloud over you. God can and does for each of us individually help. God's desire is to help you. And all you have to simply do is embrace what the Spirit is doing. Those who think they can do it on their own end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle, but never get around to exercising it in real life. Those who trust God's action in them find that God's Spirit is in them, living and breathing God. Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Attention to God leads us out into the open, into a spacious, free life. Focusing on the self is the opposite of focusing on God. Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God, ends up thinking more about self than God. That person ignores who God is and what he's doing. And God isn't pleased at all with being ignored. But if God himself has taken up residence in your life, you can hardly be thinking more of yourself than of him. Anyone, of course, who has not welcomed this invisible but clearly present God, the Spirit of Christ, won't know what we're talking about or how you're living your life. But for you who welcomed him, in whom he dwells, even though you still experience all the limitations of sin, you yourself experience life on God's terms. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus. He'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. Isn't that good news? When God lives and breathes in you, and he does as surely as he did in Jesus, you were delivered from that dead life. The dark cloud tries to steal that from us tries to tell us that we're missing something, that there's something askew in my life. And I, if I just find this one little, one little clue, if I'll just change this one little thing, then everything will clear up. That's not true. When God lives 
in breezing you, and he does, as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life. Put your hand on your heart. Say this with me. I am delivered. Oh, you're not meaning it. I am delivered from that dead life of sin. And I am alive to God. Jesus Christ is in me. And he cares. And he will make a way for me. So help me God. With his spirit living in you, your body will be alive as Christ. So don't you see that we don't owe this old do-it-yourself life one red cent? We don't have to pay anything back. There's nothing in it for us, nothing at all. The best thing to do is give it a decent burial and get on with your new life. God's spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. This resurrection life in you, received from God, is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a child like, what's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who he is, and we know who we are, father and children. And we know that we're going to get what's coming to us. Now, when I say that, what do you hear? You're going to get what's coming to you. Do you know what he writes here? An unbelievable inheritance. You're going to get what's coming to you. In Christ, a full inheritance now, but now. We go through exactly what Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times with him, then we're certainly going to go through the good times with him. That's why I don't think there's any comparison between the present hard times and the coming good times. The created world itself can hardly wait for what's coming next. Everything in creation is being more or less held back. God reigns it in until both creation and all the creatures are ready and can be released at the same moment into the glorious times ahead. Meanwhile, the joyful anticipation deepens. All around us, we observe a pregnant creation. The difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pangs. But it's not only around us, it's within us. The Spirit of God is arousing us within. We're also feeling the birth pangs. These sterile and barren bodies of ours are yearning for full deliverance. That is why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, don't see what is enlarging us, but the longer we wait, the larger we become and the more joyful our expectancy. 
Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside helping us. The minute you wear out with everything, God's going, uh-uh, I'm not going to let you get worn out. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. Do you need to hear that again? If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us. Making prayer out of our wordless, wordless sighs and our aching groans. <sighs> he knows us far better than we know ourselves, knows our pregnant condition, and keeps us present before God. That's why we can be sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. God knew what he was doing from the very beginning in your life. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. The son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. The one who's born again receives their original life the way God wanted it. We get restored back to everything that Adam lost is given back to us. That's our full inheritance now. Pretty amazing, isn't it? The son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. We see the original intended shape of our lives there in him. After God made that decision of what his children should be like, he followed it up by calling people by name. After he called them by name, he set them on a solid basis with himself. And then after getting them established, he stayed with them to the end, gloriously completing what he had begun. It's done. It's complete in you. It's just so marvelous. So what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? How can you lose? You can't lose. You've already won in God. If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? Who would dare even to point a finger? The one who died for us, who raised to life for us, is in the presence of God at this very moment, sticking up for us. All the stuff that we see that's wonky with everybody that we love, God knows all that, and he's sticking up for us in heaven. Isn't that amazing? All the things that we get caught up in, the judgmentalism of our lives, and the measuring of other people, and saying, they're not, they're, oh God, oh God, oh God. And I understand it, because I have oh gods too. We all do. But God's for us. He's in heaven. 
and he's sticking up for everything that we know that is right in God. And he's sticking up for us and here's our prayers. Last week I said we pray to know we're not alone because I've really, you know, I was trying to be transparent, sort of. I'm scared like everybody else is when they're transparent. Prayer's been a real struggle for me for about six months. Why am I even saying this? How come I'm not being answered on this? The thing is, I am answered in Christ. He knows, and he's sticking up for me in heaven. He knows my prayers, and he's there. I'm not alone in this. I'm not alone. You're not alone. That's the, the, the glory of what he's writing here in Romans 8. God at this moment is sticking up for us. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There's no way. Not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. They killed us in cold blood because they hate you. We're sitting ducks. They pick us off one by one. Doesn't it feel like that's what the world's trying to do? None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. That's a big prayer to pray. I'm not going to let this phase me because God loves me. Oh, it seems like such a religious thing to say, but it's the life of the Spirit. It's the most powerful thing I could say. When life starts kicking you, to just go, not going to let it phase me. Jesus loves me. Well, you're just being naive. No, I'm not. I'm being Christ. I'm, that Christ spirit that's in me has risen up. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, this is what was quoted to me this morning, I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. Nothing can get in the way. Not having a bad week, not knowing where the answer is going to come from, that can't get in the way. What helps us? Focusing on Jesus and life in the Spirit. That's what helps us. To focus your mind. The mindset on the flesh, figuring a way through it, is death. But the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. In the midst of horrible storms, life and peace. You know what you? I want life and peace. It's the great exchange. I give him this and I get this. All of my human condition says that's not fair. And he goes, No, it wasn't. That's why I did it for you. That's what Romans 3:21 is. But now, that's what gives it to us. It's not magic. It's not Christian incantations. 
It's focusing our attention on the one who lives in me and won't leave me or abandon me. Never alone, always with me. And I can trust that he's going to bring me to a good end. And that means I can trust that he will answer my prayers what is best in him. So don't command him what to do in your prayers. Ask him all this stuff that I just read. (laughs) Ask him to be mindful of that and that he's for you and not against you. You know, the Psalms are really strange because it talks about the psalmist always gets perplexed. The wicked prosper and it stinks. That's Lloyd's loose alliteration of one of the Psalms. Where's my help, God? Well, my help is in Jesus. God's answer is always Jesus to our hearts over everything we pray. I want us to pray together this morning. That the answer is Jesus to everything that we're facing. Everything. The answer is Jesus. We had a way of saying it back in the hippie days. It was this. I'm not religious. I just love the Lord. We put it on our Bible covers and our little leather bound things so we look like good hippies. I love God. I love God. I love God. Don't you love God? I love God. Do you know what God thinks of that? Wow! The only reason you're saying that is because God lives in you. The one who God doesn't live in can't say that. But when he hears you say his son... He hears his son, sees his son, and responds with his son. Does that make sense? Jesus, we hold this pattern of working through stuff in this life. Lord, we we know there's not magic words, but there are words of power. There are great words of power that you've given us. You've given us the name. It says that it is above all names. That there's no other name given under heaven that can bring salvation, can bring change into people's lives. So we hold ones we're concerned over. Whether they are young or old, whether they know you or don't know you, we release the authority of the name of Jesus Christ over their lives. And pray the name of Jesus over every person that's being thought of right now from this room. That Jesus, you would go and capture them. Jesus, that you would go and heal them. Jesus, that you would go and deliver them. Jesus, that you would go and help them. Jesus, that you would go and be in them. That you would bring them to a point of salvation. Lord, for those who seem far away and need to return, Lord, we pray Jesus Christ over them. That you would draw them back. That you would bring them back to yourselves. We see it in Scripture over and over and over and over again. 
you bringing back those who didn't want to come back. <laughs> and then though, you bringing those back who did. You brought the resistant ones with the ones who were running back with you. You brought the prodigal son home and you brought the older brother to his senses and to his knees. You're the loving father that pursues all. So our hearts set on Romans 8 right now. And we say this from this house, from this place of prayer. I trust you, God. We say this. I can't see the answer, but you're the answer, so I trust you. You will work it in your good time and in your patience. Your love is patient. Your love is strong. Your love works all things. And above all, it says your love never fails. I remind my own soul this morning, your love never fails. You don't fail. There's no failure in you. You don't fail anybody at any time. It's impossible for you to fail because you've already won. But now, your righteousness has appeared. So with that authority, we bless everyone that we're concerned over. No matter what the concern is, we bless them in the name of Jesus. And everybody who agrees with this prayer says, Wow. 
you today with a challenge for this week every day this week when you wake up to tell the Lord three things that you're praising him for maybe that's just hell that'd be simple just try it practice it get up tomorrow morning and tell the Lord three things I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made just find three things and see what happens this week as you have to address the problems of the week, get through the week and all that. Just change. It says this in the word that he inhabits the praises of his people. So as we do this, it's not a form of legalism. It's a form of God expressing his life back through us as we say praises to him. Yes? So there's a challenge. Take it. Hang on to it. If you slip up, don't worry about it. There's no condemnation. But if you remember, sometime during that day, find those three things and say them to Him. And let's see what happens in our lives. Yes? Now, may the love of God and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with you all and in you all. In the name of the Father and the Son the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you.